So I'm on a mini vacation. I'm here in LA visiting my daughter. Went on a nice little Disney excursion yesterday. Let me just say, um, Disney's a cult. I'm not into it, but it's definitely a cult and my daughter's a cult member in that whole thing. So she wanted to do this whole day Disney thing and we were there like nine to closing, uh, which a little too much, but what are you gonna do? I mean, it was her trip, all good. When I, but I have some observations to make because I'm a people watcher. A lot of the times, you know, I go on some rides, they, you know, don't go on the little one. Like I didn't go on the Little Mermaid ride or nothing like that. So when uh, they went out on that, then um, I would just hang around and I'm watching everybody and the whole thing. Plus you're there for, you know, God, how many hours? Uh, you know, you can't help. So I'm going to dub California as the state of camel toe. It is camel toe century at Disney, man. Let me tell you. And, and here's the deal. It's not like I can avoid it because I'm short. It's at head height, man. It's like right there everywhere I look. It's like bam, bam, bam coming at me. And it's, it can't be comfortable because I've never seen as many women's like adjust their curtains as like dudes adjust their package kind of thing. It was like, what the heck? They're all like moving around and, and even their jeans are designed around it. So I was like, what the heck is going on? So I'm trying to send some pictures to my buddy. I'm like, dude, look at this, look at this. But I, you know, of course you're trying to be stealthy and not crazy. And then it was cold in the morning, warmed up in the afternoon across. So then they start taking their sweatshirts in their, other, their outer shirts and wrapping them around their waist. So it, it, it minimized. I appreciate the afternoons and the evenings much better than the early morning when everybody's kind of dressed for the cool, cold weather. It was crispy. It wasn't cool or cold. You know, it was just crispy. But I had a good time. Um, got all the rides. And then these guys, like, game this place. They go all the time. So she's got season passes. And her friends all, like, work at, most of them work at Universal, but they all came over in the afternoon. And so we had a, a bunch of her friends with us. And these guys have, like, the secret handshake. Once her friend showed up, we like cut every line. And I don't mean like fast pass. We had fast passes. I get that. We cut past the fast passes in, in a lot of them. Like totally, I'll give you the best example because we went and did the Star Wars, the Smuggler's Run, which the Star Wars, the, the, the sets are just beautiful out here. They really go into detail. I dig it. The, the, the sets just look fantastic. A couple cast members running around, saw Ray, saw Chewbacca, Stormtroopers, and then the, the, the usual characters. I thought there would be a lot more characters out. It was, you know, Veterans Day, which, uh, happy Veterans Day to everybody. Marine Corps birthday over the weekend. Happy Marine Corps birthday, everybody. Hoorah to the Marines and, and all that. And then our, our birthday number two, which is Veterans Day. So we get to celebrate it kind of back to back, which is awesome. So it was Veterans Day, and, and, and we thought the park was going to be a lot busier than it was. It was actually perfect. I, I thought everything was about perfect, and with the fast passes, and then at the end of the day, cutting the lines and stuff, it, we, we never really waited in a line much more than 30 minutes in, in all. And then we did the Festival of Food uh, in the afternoon and bought a bunch of just different food, some like beef wellington, some ham shank, so some kind of uh, pot roast slider, mac and cheese. And so what I did is I went and had them all go to like a bunch of the different little trailer kiosk things they have. And we bought a bunch of different food and just all threw it out on a table and let everybody just kind of family style it and have a piece of this and a taste of that. So we ended up doing that. 
but her friends are like totally into it because they're all like um like i said cast members at universal most of them and one dude i met is like i guess just went viral over halloween scaring little kids he was dressed as a dragon or something and he's also he's been like the kung fu panda and in a couple of he's a walking dead character too there i guess his main stuff when he doesn't do certain things is he plays on the walking dead uh set and and so uh yeah so cool dude man who knew everybody like he, he literally is walk around in the park he's like oh there's my friend and so we go to the um galaxy experience and we get over to the smugglers run which you know the Star Wars stuff, you're going to wait in line. And we don't even go to where, like, the line is. There's this, like, other area. And this girl's like, hey, what's up, man? Come on. Opens the gates, gets us right up there, and then just brings us right into the room where you start to do the jump off, where they give you your pilot brief and everything. I crashed the Millennium Falcon. I didn't like my controls, man. It wasn't working. I was not a fan of my up and down. It didn't respond in... in, in and how I felt it should respond, the controls anyway. But it was still a good time, good run. Um, dug the race car, the uh, the cars track in the Indiana Jones. The cars one is pretty kick-ass, though. We had a good time on the cars one. Did that a couple times. Galaxy of the Gar or Guardians of the Galaxy. That's just Tower of Terror. But uh, that was one of the first ones we did uh, was the Guardians of the Galaxy. So well, all in all, it was a great day. I'm out here. I'm getting ready. Uh, she's going to come pick me up, and we're going to actually go up and talk to Jim from Prime. Uh, so uh, I know Prime's got a bunch of new ammo coming out, a bunch of things. But, yeah, it, it, it's cruising along um, pretty well. But bear with me. This is my vacation episode. But I got some good things to say. I got a couple things I want to talk about, and I, I think it should work out pretty well for you. So let's jump into it and welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide. And we're going to start talking shooting stuff. A um, couple little quick things. Uh, it was interesting. So I want to get into the bubble level thing for a second. We, uh, Regina Milkovich, right, is on Sniper's Hide. She posts on there. She's uh, LH, left-hand Gina, because she's left-handed, right? So she made a post that her reticles for like the last month or so have been looking canted. Her reticles are canted, she says. Hey, my reticles look canted. So, you know, of course, everybody comes, and she said she's tested it, plumb line, all the stuff, it, everything's good, right? I, I can even probably go in there and read this setup. We got a little bit of time here, and, and let me see if I can find it. And, and I'm going to read her, uh, her, her setup. So it's under a post called reticle cant. And, and, and this is Regina's opening uh, statement. So I'm, I'm going to read it verbatim for you guys. It says, all right, I can't figure out where else this question should be asked. So here it goes. I'm looking for insight since everything the Google machine tells me doesn't answer or resolve my issue. Over the last six months or so, I've noticed that my reticle appears to be canted to the left. I discovered this when I kept reading uh, or kept needing double the wind holds others were using and double what I thought I actually needed at distance. Okay, so let me read this better again. I kept needing double the wind holds. Here's a clue here, guys. Spin drift bullshit, canting your rifle. And I tell you, that doesn't line up with what's going on. And, and these are people doing stuff to fix their error. Okay, so I kept needing double the wind holds others were using and double what I thought I actually needed at distance. I checked my zero and it was on. I thought perhaps my scope wasn't level. So uh, I checked 
um, I checked it and checked it again and checked it with multiple bubble levels and a plumb bob. I sent the scope back to the manufacturer in the rings and was told that I'm basically a leveling genius and have a super level scope. Maybe not those exact words, but still. So basically, she thinks it's a scope error. She thinks it's, a, it's an issue and, and this is what's going on. So why does my reticle still, and she bolds it, still appear canted to the left? To be clear, this is multiple barreled actions with multiple scopes in any rings and mounts. I wear glasses and contacts. I've tried shooting with and without. The reticle appears uh, more correct then, but then I can't get the reticle to focus for shit because I'm blind as a bat, astigmatism or something. Anyone have this issue? So I was the first one that came on. Um, and I said, uh, you know, definitely check. And she said that their level, I said, uh, where did we got scope mount? Uh, oh, I read it wrong initially. So then I came up and, and I said to her, I said, it, it's, uh, where, where the heck is this? Oh, here we go. Do you have a cold or maybe your ears need a flushing? I said sinus problems and head colds can mess with our internal levels. So this thread goes on and everybody's trying to diagnose it. Now, I misread her initial uh, post because I didn't, you know, I was thinking like, well, maybe it is canted, but it's off, but she's saying everything's good. And I've said, head cold, you think. We have four levels in our head, four of them, okay? And I talk about them all the time, why I don't use levels and things like that. I've tuned my body to, to, to pay attention to how that works. So today I come on, I log on the computer, and here is her response. Finally got to see my family doctor. Referral to an ENT due to my allergies. And what she found when she looked at my ears, she said both of my ears have a lot of fluid, and she quotes a lot of fluid, and inflam inflammation, but no sign of an ear infection. So thanks to Low Light for being better than WebMD, and thanks for not charging me a copay. It's us, okay? It's us. There's a, you can do this. This is us not doing things. The human factor is the number one factor. Leave our rifles to their own devices. Our rifles are going to do the same thing every single time. Okay? This is not some crazy thing. This is, this is the rifle is going to do it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We know because we can free recoil them. We can do all these different things. Better bullets, better barrels, better powders, better scopes, better actions, better stocks, you know, chassis, all that stuff. It's not how it used to be, okay? The old wives' tales are kind of gone. So there's that part. Then this brings me into a segue of another one, and I haven't been able to go in and really um, kind of respond. I got tagged in it. But... A guy was having a problem with multiple groups. So they tagged me because it basically morphed into a prone discussion about the prone position and how certain people are laying on top of their rifles and then how we kind of talk about getting up and above on your bipod and on your elbows and not laying on your forearms. Now, I understand a lot of the comp guys just get as low and they flop down on the rifle. They're doing a couple shots and they lay on top of the rifle. That's not a good thing for long-term shooting. Comes back to medicine again, science, making us feel comfortable. How quickly will you deteriorate? How quickly will you fall apart? How fast? 
because you're uncomfortable, your body is going to rebel against you. It's all subconscious, guys, okay, and girls. It's all subconscious with this stuff, what we're doing. And if you pay attention to those subconscious elements and you understand A plus B plus C, D, E, and take it down that way, then you can say, well, what works on level? Some people say, well, my eyes, visual, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's not. It's our head. How do we walk? How do we balance a tightrope? How do we do all these things? It's the levels in our ears. It's how we stay upright. Okay, our eyes, yes, we want our eyes to be, you know, horizontal and not tilted. You know what I'm saying? That tilt in our head creates a problem. And so we want to try to get it in on our center line a little bit, right? And, and, and this was interesting because somebody came on and Phil, Phil fixed this for a person. Bigger guy, bigger shooter. You're a big dude out there. You're listening to me. You're laughing at the camel toe thing because I'm walking at head height, right? You're like, dude, Frank's like right there in the crotchal region. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I got boobies in the face and everything. And, and it's like, so big dudes, you're big. You're 6'5", man. You got broad shoulders. Well, if you put that rifle kind of in your shoulder pocket and out a little bit, now your head's going to roll over. And this was something Phil had saw with a student. And what he did is have the guy bring the rifle in more of his center line, and so it keeps his head erect. Well, then when you bring it into your center line, you're going to be on that tripod with your elbows, okay? It should be comfortable. Think about little kids. I'm at Disney, right? Disney Plus launched last night, and they're all on it. They're all watching it because it, it went live when we were actually at the Haunted Mansion at like midnight, um, or was it closed at midnight, so it had to be 11, uh, so we were at the, the last ride we did was the Haunted Mansion, which was a little disappointing to me with the Jack Skelly, the Nightmare Before Christmas theme of it, was kind of really muted it and made it too colorful, and I wasn't a fan of the Haunted Mansion. But anyway, kids, right? Kids laying on the floor to watch TV. How do they put their hands under their chin and hold their head up? Think about that visual. You don't have to teach a kid. You're not training a kid, you're not doing anything like that to say, this is how you sit on a floor and watch TV. This is how you sit on a floor and watch your iPad. They'll do it all by themselves. That's what I'm trying to say, okay? This stuff is natural. There's a certain way to address it. So this guy had multiple groups, two in one hole, two in one hole, one out by himself. And they were looking at the prone position and whether he was getting movement. And we do see this a lot. The, the, the variety of rear bags that I'm seeing now with the, I'm going to call them gamer bags, okay? They're the lighter, the pillower, the puffy, because if you're only going to carry one or two objects in a match, you're trying to make one object do three things. So these pillow rear bags, I'm seeing a lot of vertical, vertical spread. The guns are bouncing on that rear bag in that pillow. They don't have as solid a foundation as, say, like a tab rear bag with a heavier fill in it. Okay, if you're doing, it's got to be a, a, um, a dual track. Okay, this has to be a dual track. What you have to do is you have to have sort of a training setup, and then you have to have sort of a gaming setup. And you're going to mix the two, okay? 
But when you're working your fundamentals, when you're working your data, when you're working the system and you're building and collecting information, which you're always collecting information, but when you're working it in the beginning, you want the most rock solid platform you can create. And that means a better rear bag. This is actually, this is gonna be the one case where now I'm like looking at it where you're gonna have to spend some money. You know what I mean? You're gonna need a bag for this, a bag for that, a bag for this, you know, a, a little equipment heavy. But it's bags, man. They're, they're 50 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Get somebody to build them. But you want something solid to hold the back of the rifle to not cause a problem. But the other thing we see, and this goes to the fundamental evals that we do, okay? The fundamental evals are huge, man, because I'm watching you with the most critical eye I can muster, okay? I'm being, in, in, in some cases where if you were doing some of this stuff and hit the target, I'd never make, a, make it a second thought. That's eh, sloppy, but no big deal. Ah, he's fine. He'll, he'll get better, you know, over reps. It'll tighten up, you know, maybe not today, but six months from now, he'll get a little bit better. But when I'm doing a fundamental eval, now I'm like, nope, 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 nope. That's wrong. Doing that wrong. And the, the, here's the, the, the biggest things we'll see. Okay. This is the huge, huge things that we'll see. Multiple trigger presses. You're not doing the same thing the same way every time, even to the point of dry fire. We see it all the time. We're telling everybody dry fire more, dry fire more. You're in training, time and opportunity. Given time and opportunity, you always should be dry firing, okay? It inoculates you from that first round flinch. It gets you in a good position. It helps build a rhythm and it just loosens that anticipation up a little bit, right? It kind of breaks it up in there. You're like, got your tense. And we're, and we're massaging you with the dry fire, okay? The dry fire is the massage. There you go, I like that. And, and so then what we'll see is as soon as that live round goes in, they change their hand position and everything. The other thing we'll see with multiple groups, and we've talked about this a lot, the bipod being too loose and then people canting the rifle, heavy heading it, pushing it over. Now, it may not be big, it may not be noticeable to you, but you'll see it downrange on paper. 11 thousandths of an inch will give you 20 minutes at 100 yards back at the rifle. Okay, in my PowerPoint, we talk about this all the time. I have a Badger 20 MOA base, subtract the, it's the schematic. Go, go online and Google Badger 20 MOA base, go to the images, Find the schematic that Marty has up there. The back and the front. Make sure you get the front where the, the, the uh, not the extension, but the front where it's touching. Okay, because there's two different measurements up front. The back subtracted from the front gives you 11 thousandths of an inch. That's gonna give you 20 inches at 100 yards. Think about where your errors usually are. They're usually a half inch of an error three quarters of an inch of an error today. We don't see people throwing an inch and a half shot or craziness. It's usually, I'm a half minute shooter. When I toss one, it's, it, it takes me to three quarter. I'm a half minute shooter. If I toss one or so, it takes me to one inch. You never really get too much bigger than that, okay? Well, so if we now take that half inch and divide 11 thousandths by, you know, a friggin' 
one inch to do it for one inch would be a lot by 20 do it by 40 in how small that number is and what movement do it by 35 you know what i mean divide 11 thousands by 35 and look at that how tiny that movement of a number is that is that is explaining your error so now if you're in a camp mode it's a little bit bigger but not everybody notices it they'll push over a little bit if your bipod's too loose, you can have multiple groups, okay? You'll see it. It'll be multiple groups, multiple problems, because you're constantly fidget. I call it a fidget all the time. A lot of you guys don't realize this. You're just squirming behind that rifle in between every shot you take. You're fidgeting. You're moving around. And part of that, I'm gonna come back around full circle, all right? Well, I'm, 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 we're running the racetrack like I was at Radiator yesterday. Run, I like that Radiator, that was cool. So I'm running the racetrack and, and, and we're coming back around. If you're not up on your elbows, up a little bit higher for your comfortable prone position. Prone position is dictated by your body type. Your height, your chest tells you where that's gonna be, okay? that where your bipod is. You don't wanna be artificially low or overly high. You basically wanna start high, work your way down till the rifle is level and you're comfortable, but you wanna be up to get range of motion and movement in your arms, your elbow. So if I pin my elbow to the deck, I'm gonna pin my elbow to the ground, what kind of movement do I have to run the bolt? And how much will it upset that apple cart and fidget you all about and move you crazy, right? So now think about this. If you're not supporting the back of the rifle, holding your support hand on that stock to keep it secure in the shoulder pocket, you run the bolt sloppy and wango and you're lifting your arm up and you're, whole, you're basically running the bolt with your entire arm and you're not isolating the forearm in the wrist. You know what I mean? So you're, you're, you're moving your body a lot. Well then, you got a you got a you got a less stable rear bag, an air-filled, a lighter rear bag because you're going to put it on a barricade or go hard to soft or not want to carry extra weight, you know, whatever the case may be. That has movement in it. So you got to support the back of the rifle and you want to be up because it's movement. We have to move. And we want to minimize that movement when we're running the bolt because it's changing, not sometimes it's changing people's heads positions but it's changing your point of aim in a way and you're then, then you're running into a steering and natural point of aim situation because now you're gonna steer the rifle. You're gonna start pushing it where you want it because you've pulled it out of position and you wanna fix that, okay? It works for one or two shots. You'll get away with it. If you're shooting a piece of steel under time in a competition where all they want you to do is touch it, it'll probably work and a lot of these guys their rifles are so good, they're good, they can muscle their rifle better than most people, they're bigger guys. If, look who's winning, man. The biggest dudes out there are the ones winning, you know what I mean? You'll see like a Tyler Hughes who shoots these comps all the time. So it, it, it's it like Tyler will work his ass off and do really, really well and he's a super consistent guy, but it's kind of like the NASCAR thing, right? You got these guys that are always in the top 10, always in the top 10, but cracking that first win 
is so hard. Me, I'm a guy. I don't crack wins. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm always up in the top 10, top five. Not lately. I did the top 20. I'm getting old. I'm broke and I hurt freaking crazy. But at my high point, I was always second all the time. Second place, second place, second place, second place. You know, to, to, the, to different guys, ones who don't have the limitations that I have. And so that's the thing, man, is that they can get away with it is what I'm trying to say. I had the chambermaid came and blow my rain, clean the thought, um, trying to clean the room. So anyway, uh, you know what I mean? They'll be a little bit more consistent. And what it comes down to, their wobble zone is smaller because they can get away with muscling, muscling the gun because they have a lot more mass behind it than I do. Okay, if I get sloppy and muscle a gun, I'm going to see it because the gun will then react because it's got a lot less weight working with it. You get a guy who's twice as big as me who does that, that gun's not going to move as easily or as much, right? It's not going to move the same amount. And this is the main thing that I'm trying to tell you. It's small. It's microscopic. You got to look at these things with a critical eye. And while certain things work for that guy, it, it, how are they explaining it? You know what I mean? Is it, is it a case of just kind of repeating something, regurgitating, going through the motions? And then when you say to him, well, gee, you're the guy who won. What are you teaching? What, does, what is going to be this? Are they breaking down the why it's happening? Why did Regina's reticle appear canted? because she had fluid in her ears and she had infl inflammation, okay? None, you, she can't fix that. I mean, she can with, with medicine, but she can't see that. She can't know. But my first thing is when, she, when I finally kind of reread, because a lot of times the posts, I read them too fast. Why is this happening? Do you have a cold? I have allergies. I take medicine for it. There's, your, there's the culprit. Boom. And, and to me, that's the light bulb of things that how I'm breaking this stuff down into fundamental universal truths, right? It's the fundamentals of marksmanship, but there's also some universal truths that translate. And I can say, hey man, when I do this, this is how I do this stage, or this is how I do this type of thing. But there may be a little bit of flourish in how I do it because I'm smaller, right? A bigger guy may do something slightly different. So I'm not teaching you Frank-specific technique because that's going to change for everybody. That's experience. That's the case of ammo. Go out and learn what your little thing is. But if you start off with a good foundation, if you start off with the fundamentals, if you do all these things right up front, then it becomes much easier to diagnose and understand problems when they do start. Like Regina. Regina's a match-winning competition shooter. She's at the top of her game on most days. She's coming to Sniper's Hide and saying, help me fix this problem. And, and it it's, turns out it's a medical one more so than a mechanical one. Where she's looking for, at this point, or she was, looking for a mechanical reason. And it wasn't. Anyway, all right, guys, I'm going to, uh, I got Kiana's coming in a little bit. Like I said, I got to go see Jim. I want to get this uploaded for you all. So it's going to be a little shorter, but it's, it's, it's a stop gap while I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, if you want more about this, want to talk about the medical side of things, it's, I'm not saying this stuff 
because I'm trying to get you to be a Frank. You know what I mean? I'm not saying this stuff to be like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not trying to be contrarian everything. I don't use a level. I don't use a level for a reason. Here's my reasons, okay? I've taught myself and understand that side of things. And so I, I find I don't need that distraction of a level, okay? I, I, I fix it at the bipod now, especially with the bipods we have today. I'm going to fix that up front. But I also know what I'm looking at in the feel in my shoulder pocket. I talk about that feel in my shoulder pocket all the time because I'm maintaining that and I'm conscious of it. Okay, so I don't have to visually look. I'm mechanically tightening with my bipod and I'm feeling it with the stock in my shoulder. Okay, then when I'm in movement mode and I'm shooting, I then do the dance and the choreography with my left and right hand. Okay, when I'm running the bolt, I'm holding the rifle. When I'm on the firing task, I'm relaxed. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm, I'm a slab of meat behind there and I'm just kind of doing that thing. And, and it, it's, it's like, man, you know, it, it, it becomes this kind of two-part, three-part process. So that's what's going on um, with, with that. And then, like I said, it causes multiple things. Think your reticles canted, right? Add more wind. All these different problems creep up because you're doing this stuff. Then, and here's the other thing. She knows her stuff was dead nuts level. So what good did her dead nuts level do when her head was rebelling? What good did that $150? I know most people are spending less money on levels now. The vortexes are cheap and ones. But still, you think about an accuracy first, man. It's like $150, bucks, right? What good is that $150 accessory doing somebody when your head says no? My head said no. I got a, I got a thing in my, I got an inner ear thing, man. No. You, it's, you just threw it out the window. You didn't fix any problem anymore other than to say you'd have to go back to your level and then you'd have to be watching the level every time. You know what I mean? To me, that would be the red flag. Why does my reticle look canted now? Well, now I'm going to go down the checklist. Hey, man, okay, it is level. I'm, I'm, I know I'm good on that. All I got to do is drop a plumb line. Plumb line says I'm square. Mechanically, I no longer have to touch it. Did something, you know, change with these? So now the next thing I'm going to do is look at me. I'm going to say, do I have a cold? Do I have something going on? Or if I see multiple groups appearing in things, think about that. Oh, you got multiple groups? Are they arching one way? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? That's the bipod. I'm going to mechanically tighten it up front. I'm going to physically understand what I'm doing behind it. And then I'm just going to relax and let it take the shot. Okay. That's what's going on with that kind of stuff. Hopefully this helps a few of you out there. And, and I definitely appreciate it. Like I said, don't, I, I rant, I rave. It, it, it's, a, you know, I was thinking, I watched this the other morning and I, I'm going to just, cause I got a few minutes here. I got about, oh, I got like three minutes to, to finish up. Then I got to be done. Okay. Here's the deal, man. So, you, 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 uh, I'm watching Patton, and there was a conversation going on about the, the things in, in PRS stuff on Sniper's Hide. And so some, I said, listen, man, this is all academic that we're talking about this. And I brought it up because somebody said I didn't offer solutions. I just bitched, and I just whined, and it was part of the, the, the rant deal. 
And I said, well, here, there's always solutions. You guys just refuse to look at them. And especially because of the Jersey letter. When I wrote the letter and I went, and it, it reminded me of a scene in Patton with George C. Scott, okay? And they were asking him about his style of leadership. And part of that is that, that kind of swearing. You know, he swore like a sailor. He did the church thing, you know, prayed on the side and, and that. But then he swore. He was boisterous. He was in your face. He was a bull in a china shop. And he, they asked him about that. And he said in the movie, well, I want it, you know, loud and hard and because I, I want it to stick. It's, it's, it's trying to press a point home. And I know it turns a certain element of the community off. I agree with what you said, just not how you said it. That's that de deflection to that thing. But understand my mindset is I'm trying to get you to, to really, it's, you're now going to listen. The only problem is, is in today's society right now, it appears that we change the conversation, okay? Instead of you picking up what I'm putting down, like, hey, man, you really should be listening to this, you know, this, this, this rant on entitlement. You really should be listening to this rant on this. But instead of them saying, well, what message is he trying to convey? They just start talking about the process and the delivery of the message. And then they try to change the subject because they know it's important. They know it's not doing anybody out there any favors. So let's change the channel and, and shoot that messenger. So that way there we can avoid the, you know, the, 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 the obvious. And, and so that's what's happening um, with some of that. So just understand, man. I'm looking at this at a, at, a, at a microscopic level. I'm talking milliseconds and microns and things that aren't Frank specific. It's just Frank bringing them to you because I think it's gonna make you a better shooter in the long run knowing the why. How you adapt this information is up to you, okay? How you use these lessons I'm trying to impart, that's up to you, man. But what, I, what I'm trying to do is, yeah, there's a certain clone element. I talk about it. Mark clone, Frank clone. We want clones on the firing line. You know what I mean? But that's not a bad thing because it's a clone from a certain position, but then we're still giving you the tools to customize it to your body type, to customize it to your physical way of doing these things. You can't, can't go prone. We're going to put you on a bench, but let me show you how to do a bench a different way. You know, oh, you should get up a little higher. No, you need to come down a notch. Nope, you can come up a notch. You need to come over. You need to do this. You know, bringing, it's, it's getting straight back behind the rifle up on your elbows. And the, the, the secret sauce is bring that stock in a little closer to your center line when you're a bigger guy like that so your head's not rolled over. That's not changing a big, giant, fundamental change in how you're doing it. You're still doing everything in a clone manner. We're just tweaking it for your body type. So that's what's going on. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. And California shall always be known as the state of Camel Toe. Thanks, guys. Later.